say hello to all of you that are watching literally all over the world today. Just to remind you, uh, we exist. Our church exists to encourage and equip people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Um, We're in a series, we have been for a few weeks, uh, called I Want More, a fully devoted life. Last week, we began by talking about how, as fully devoted followers of Christ, we can have more in our lives. We talked about the idea of how a fully devoted follower forgives other people, forgives those who have hurt them. Um, Today, I wanna continue in this series and where we started last week with the healing that forgiveness brings. The scene took place at a 7-Eleven where an elderly man was getting gas and as he was pumping his gas, he noticed a guy jogging with his dog on his leash. Now, this dog was, was huge, kind of a cross between a bull mastiff and a horse. Like, he was a big dog. And he decided uh, to get something to drink, so he took his dog and he took his leash and attached it to this bench that was in front of the 7-Eleven. The dog lay there and he was content for a while until suddenly a truck went by and backfired loudly and it startled this dog so much that he got up and he took off with such force that he ripped that bench from the concrete and started dragging this uh, down the street, sparks flying, as he's going in between cars on this busy, busy street. Cars started screeching to a stop, swerving to avoid him as the dog raced down the road, bench in tow. Then the dog veers toward an SUV and then comes to an abrupt stop. And when he did, that bench just swung around and crashed right into the side of that SUV. Hearing that noise, the dog becomes more alarmed. He takes off again, bench in tow, and this time it's a Volkswagen. He sees that, he turns to stop. That bench just slams right into that little Volkswagen doing a great deal of damage. Car after car, damage after damage. Finally, the dog comes up to a corner, stops suddenly, and the bench goes flying past him into a glass door of a restaurant, and the manager comes running out the door, and he looks down the street, and he sees car after car, damage after damage, caused by this dog and the bench. Now, a lot of us are like that dog. We are leashed up to anger and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness. And we don't realize it, but as we push through life, we're dragging this thing around that is causing serious damage in our relationships, often to those we love the most, hurting the potential that God has for us in our one and only life. The problem is, 
unleashing this bench that we drag through life is so unnatural for us. It takes something more. And so the question that I have for us today as we begin this message is who is sitting on your bench today? An ex-spouse, a parent, maybe a child who over and over again has caused you pain. Maybe there is a pain that no one else knows about except for you and God. Who is sitting on your bench? Because I'm just... I've been around long enough and I've pastored long enough to know that for most of us that are watching today, for most of us, there there is somebody sitting on your bench. Well, pastor, the person that's been on my bench, they've been dead for over 10 years. And yet here you are dragging along through life, this corpse still sitting there causing you pain, dragging it around. Who is sitting on your bench? There's someone there. People that hurt you, someone that caused you pain, someone maybe that hurt somebody that you love dearly. Maybe there's one person there, maybe two. Maybe your bench looks a lot like this. There's many people that have hurt you and caused you pain and there is this bitterness inside of you that sits on your bench, holding you back, keeping you back from the very thing that God designed for your life. And what we don't realize is when we hold on when we chain ourselves to that bench from our past, from those who have hurt us, what we don't realize is we're in essence saying to those that are on our bench, okay, you have control over my life. I'm the Xbox and you hold the controller. And I, I lived my life that way for a long, long time. And it's an open sore that we can ignore for a while, but it eventually comes back and oftentimes it brings like a new pain that is being unleashed, that's being leashed out on us in unforgiveness. But one day for me, something supernatural happened inside of me because naturally I could not, I could not unleash it alone. So Jesus told a story in Matthew chapter 18, and here's what he said. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me like up to seven times? Now, you gotta understand Peter's Peter's kind of like trying to show off to Jesus because in their day, they, the, the rabbis would teach that you should give 
uh, forgive up to three times. So Peter's like going like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go over twice what is required. That's overly generous, right, Jesus? So Simon Peter assumes that seven times is really gonna impress Jesus, like, hey, Jesus, don't you think it's really impressive that I'm willing to forgive more than twice, more than three times, more than twice what the rabbi said? I'm gonna go like seven times. Isn't that impressive? (laughs) Well, wrong assumption when you're talking to Jesus because he doesn't realize that Jesus is teaching that forgiveness is more than a for the one who was offended than it is for the one who did the offense. Forgiveness is more for me than it is for others. Forgiveness is more for me, the one who was hurt, the one who was scarred. Forgiveness is more for me than it is for the person that did damage to me. And you may think forgiveness is for the one who hurts you, but Jesus is teaching in this is that forgiveness is really for you. Peter didn't get it. He was a little slow in understanding. So Jesus launches into another story. He says, there's the, he tells about this wealthy king who's looking at his books one day. And as he's scrolling through his books, he sees that there is this servant, this guy that owes him like $10 million. So the king sees that, kind of gets his attention. And would you... And he calls this guy in and he says to the guy, hey, you owe me 10 million bucks, pay up. So in this other story that Jesus gives us, this servant starts getting very worried and concerned and he's begging the king now. And he's, at this point, the servant fell on his knees. He, he said, oh, be patient with me, king. He begged and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, this guy is in huge trouble. He's got a debt that he is unable to pay back in his entire lifetime. And the king could have had him thrown in prison, could have demanded that he stay there for the rest of his life because this guy couldn't pay back. But this mega rich king does what is so un believable. He canceled the debt of this guy as he's begging for mercy. He just cancels the debt, writes off $10 million and lets the guy go. Come on. Some of you got some debt. I bet it ain't $10 million, right? But can you imagine you get your bill one day, you got several thousand due on your credit card and they write on it, hey, it's all been paid. You don't owe us anything. Imagine how you would feel you'd be so like incredibly blessed that if 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 i owed you like a hundred bucks you know and you got like several million like this guy did you'd be like hey preach you don't owe me that hundred bucks anymore that debt's canceled right i got 10 million and when someone has hurt us when someone has taken advantage of us it is like they have created a debt They owe us something and we feel they have to pay. But Jesus says the forgiven guy leaves and he immediately goes and he starts looking for a guy that owes him like a hundred bucks. 
But when the servant went out, so after he'd had his $10 million forgiven, he goes out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him. Get this imagery in your mind. Begins to choke him and says, pay back what you owe me. He demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him. So now this guy that owes him like a hundred bucks is begging him the same way that he just got through begging the king for like forgiveness for 10 million. Be patient, I'll pay it back. But he refused. And instead he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay back all that he owed. And the king hears about this and you know, imagine that it were you and you just forgave somebody a great debt and then you find out that their heart is so small, they're going after somebody that owes just a few dollars. And, and, and the king is very upset and he can't believe what he's hearing. And so we go on in the passage and it says, then the master, the king called the servant back in. You wicked servant. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed, which he could never ever do. Now think about our lives. We had a debt that was so huge, uh, our, our sin that was overwhelming us. We've been forgiven by Christ. Christ paid the debt, Christ set us free. But when we harbor unforgiveness, we put ourselves back under the bondage, back under the curse, back under the bondage that sin held us to. We put ourselves back there. Now, this next verse, verse 35, is a verse that we wish wasn't in the Bible. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever read a verse and you're like, I wish that one wasn't in there? In fact, some of you don't even go to it. You just stay away from the verses like that, right? Well, this is one that we wish, we wish Jesus would have just ended the story with verse 34, like right here. But instead, Jesus pushes on, and this next verse is so convicting that it messes us up. For Jesus said, talking about the story, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The king of forgiveness says that He'll treat us the same as the king did in the unforgiving servant, the story. Well, pastor, is he, is he talking about like, is he talking about eternal pain or is he talking about just like while here on earth, pain here on earth? Well, I don't know, you tell me. And if it were just, if he were just referring to just here on 
earth, imagine dragging, dragging this thing around all of your life with three or four or five, or for some of you, many, many more on your bench, carrying that your whole life. Scripture tells us we were lost, that we were hopelessly lost, that we had a debt that was so great like the servant in the story, yet God took the initiative and he provided a sacrifice who shed the sacred blood, bore our stripes, took our beating, died the death that was designed for us, and and through grace reconciled us back to peace with himself. With, with uh, himself. So forgive three times, forgive six times, seven times, 490 times. No, no, no. He's saying forgive until it's just the way you live in Christ. It becomes your very nature. You are a forgiving person. Because forgiven people forgive people. Pastor, you don't don't know what my father did to me. You don't know how my mother was or what my uncle did to me. For me to forgive them would be to minimize the offense that they did to me, and I'm not gonna let them off that easily. I don't know what they did to you. You don't know what they did to me. But God knows. And God tells us to cancel the debt, not for their sake, but in order that we might be free. Think of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus said, I want you to pray like this. Jesus said, we should confess our sins one to another, right? He said, and then he said, but he said, confess our sins to the Father and say, forgive us our debts, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us of our offenses to you, O God. And I don't have problem, I don't really have a problem with that. I, I, I don't mind confessing my stuff to God. I, 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 I don't have a struggle with that. Um, I think I'm pretty good at that. Now, I have to be honest and say, I'd, ra- I, I'd like to do this a whole lot more generally than I do specifically. I'd much rather say, oh God, if I did something this week, forgive me, rather than nail that specific thing down. Come on, anybody know what I'm saying? Like, I don't wanna really touch the one issue. I just wanna be like general with it. So I don't struggle with this. But there is this word that comes next, this two-letter word that bothers me greatly. As we have forgiven our debtors. 
God, forgive me. Release me from the bondage of my debt to you. Jesus said, as or in the same way that I have forgiven those who have brought offense against me. So in this parable that Jesus gives us, the, the rich king is God and the forgiven servant is you and me. And that brings us to this important question this morning that I want all of us to think about and answer. And that question is now, what are we going to do? In light of the fact that God has forgiven me so greatly of my sin, of my offense against him, am I going to then hold the offenses and the injustices in my life against those who have done that to me? Am I gonna continue to leash myself up to anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred, trying to make someone Hey, I want them to hurt like I hurt. I want them to suffer. Or will we unleash them, like Jesus said, and offer forgiveness to set them maybe, but more importantly, to set us free? Listen, God's saying something to all of us today. To me, to the few of those that are in this room today, but to all of us watching online, he's saying, I want you to do something through my power and my grace that is so unnatural. It goes against everything in the flesh. I want you to cancel a debt, to let freedom ring in you. Did you know offering forgiveness is really um, an act of faith? Bible tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God because when you cancel their debt that someone owes you, a price that you want them to pay, when you cancel that debt, what you're saying is, God, I am leaving all of this up to you. You, God, are the ultimate judge. I know you'll take care of this thing the right way and in the right time. No one knows what I'm feeling, God, except for you. No one knows the situation or the pain that the person that offended me was in. I don't know that, but you know it, God. And you you will just make all of this right. God, I trust you in faith to handle this better than I would. And And that's why Paul said in Romans 12, 9, don't take revenge for vengeance is mine, says the Lord, it's mine. The pastor, they started it. Pastor, you don't know what they did. Pastor, they, they hurt me. I know, I get it. 
but let God complete it. You set, you set yourself free. You unleash through forgiveness the power that someone has had over you because of an offense that was played out in your life. Why is, why is God saying this to you? Why is God saying this to me? Because God wants you to know the incredible freedom that it brings when you are no longer chained to something that happened to you a long time ago in your past. You set yourself free. Remember the, the dog? The owner of the 7-Eleven comes out of the store with the dog's master. They run up the street, and as they go, surveying all the damage that was done all along the way. They turn the corner, and there they see the dog in front of the store, and he sees his master, and the dog is scared, and he is cowering down, and the master walks over, and he unties the leash from that scared dog and that damaged bench. The owner of the 7-Eleven takes the bench and walks around behind and throws it away in the dumpster while the master takes his dog and leads him back to safety. Now somebody had to pay for all the damage, right? There was damage that had been done and there were people that wanted someone to pay for that. But when the guy on his cell phone called his insurance company, the agent said to him, hey, don't worry, <laughs> you're covered, I'll take care of it. That's a pretty clear picture of what God wants to do in your life and in my life. Those of us, many of us, maybe all of us that have been damaged, been hurt in some way by someone who perpetrated some injustice on us. And he wants to bring to mind to you this morning, right now, wherever you're watching, the names, the faces, the past hurts to get us to stop for a moment, to be still, so that our master, by his grace, can untie a leash to lead us to a better place as he takes care of it all. So back to our question, who is sitting on your bench today. Someone who hurt us, a, a hurt that was caused to someone that we love. That, that person be, could be sitting next to you on a couch this morning or across town or even across the country. 
Maybe it's someone you'll see at work either this week or when you finally go back to work. Maybe it's a child or a relative that brings a tightness in your gut just thinking about having to be in a room and seeing them again. Maybe someone who passed away years ago and yet it still haunts you and it still enslaves you. See, God's not asking you, I'm not asking you to minimize anything that they did, not downplaying the ugliness of it, not downplaying the pure evilness of it, the sinfulness of it. But he is asking you today to unleash your hurt and pain so that he can set you free from your pain that has kept you in bondage for way too long. I've been praying all week about whether to share what I'm about to share. I, I, I think I've only shared it one other time in my life. Sometimes it must seem like as you watch or as you're in a church, oh, it must be easy for, for uh, pastors to stand up there and preach things like, hey, you need to forgive those that have hurt you. But what you need to know today is that most times, <laughs> Before I ever preach to you, the word has worked itself all through my life. It has, it has worked me over and over before I ever stand up and proclaim the truth and preach it. And it happens more times than you know. And I don't share what I'm about to share. If you know me, and many of you don't yet, because <laughs> we were like together for a few weeks, like the honeymoon started, and then it was like I woke up one day and the bride was gone, right? And so a lot of you don't know me. If you knew me and you knew my heart, you would know that I'm not sharing this for attention or shock value. You would also know how difficult it is. So I've asked God if it could just help one person, if it could just help somebody today, maybe just one, if it free somebody today, release someone from whoever is sitting on their bench. When I was, uh, seven years old, I was abused sexually by a close relative. Went on for a long period of time, several years. I was fearful at first, I was confused. I never told anyone, even after it stopped, I just kept it locked in my mind and pushed way, way, way down inside. Though I had a time, a season where I hated that person profusely, it all, um, it all eventually just went away in my mind and I never thought about it. I pushed it down inside until I felt like I no longer hated them and I tried as best as I could to simply just go on with life. 
But during my teenage years, I became a very, very, very angry kid. I was angry at my mom, angry at my dad, angry at my siblings. I cursed them. I was angry at school. I often got in fights. I was kicked out of classes and my anger ruined a lot of life as a teenager for me. When I was 17 years of age, I completely gave my heart to Christ. I knelt at an altar, I surrendered my life, I surrendered my past, I accepted a call of ministry. I went to Olivet Nazarene University. I met a girl named Vicki. We were married. We had two beautiful kids. But there were times the anger kept crawling out. There were many years that I was angry at my wife or my kids, all the while working for a church, serving him, but an angry bird, like we talked about last week. Because I still had this person in my mind and in my heart, I still had this person sitting on my bench, dragging it around, chained to my past, filled with a life of remorse and regret and hating myself, unwilling to forgive. And it wasn't until I sat before a counselor and poured out my heart and poured out my life that I could untie <laughs> finally that chain and let it go and give forgiveness and mean it and be free from something that had enslaved me for so long. I really don't know, I don't have a clue who's sitting on your bench today. It may not be as bad as mine. Maybe, maybe far worse. Maybe my story like pales in comparison to the story that you have to tell. But I think today God is asking many of you to untie a chain and release a prisoner and discovering that that prisoner is you. There's an old song that helps me with this. Reminds me of how much power is in that one little word, grace. Sometimes as I'm thinking about regrets or thinking about stuff that Satan brings up or reminding me of who used to be on my bench, there is this song that simply says, grace, grace, God's Grace, grace that will pardon 
<laughs> set free and cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all of our sin. Grace that is greater than your sin and your acts of rebellion. Grace that is greater that can even forgive and go to the one who has offended you and set you free. <laughs> His marvelous grace. Wherever you are, would you just bow your heads for a moment and let God speak to you this morning? Just listen to my voice with your head bowed. Maybe you'd simply like to pray today. Maybe you'd like to kneel by a couch. There are some of you, the tears are already flowing because you feel his spirit and he is bringing some pain up, but he's not bringing it up to make you feel miserable. He is bringing it up to set you free today. Maybe you'd like to send me a message and share your story with me so that I can pray with you. I'd be happy to do that. But you do whatever you need to do to untie that chain today and set yourself free from something that has enslaved you for so long. Father, this morning I pray for people that I love. <laughs> And it's kind of ironic because many of them I haven't even met yet. Many of them have just been watching online. Many of them have come to church. Maybe I haven't even had a chance to meet them yet. But oh, how you have given me a love for them. And now I pray today, oh Father, that your grace, your marvelous, infinite grace would go to where they are that you would sit on their bench today <laughs> and that they would look at the ugliness of a past and see it gone today and just see you sitting there, seeing your grace and your forgiveness and your freedom in their lives. Lord, I know it's not just as simple as just a one, two, three. For some, it may be like me where you have to go and sit before a counselor and you need to just let some stuff out in order to be free, and that is okay. But God, whatever the step is today, may, may they sense you there taking that step with them. It's not always going to someone or calling someone saying, oh, I forgive you, I whatever. They've probably already forgot about it. But God, through your Holy Spirit, you can do a work in them and you can unleash the chain that has bound them up for, for many people. It has been a lifetime so that they can let it go and experience your love and your grace and your freedom in their lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's continue to worship today.